Happy Friday, guys, and welcome to another episode of Let's Talk Dubs. I'm your host, Bill T. Another podcast in the works for you, and this one is going toward the off-road side of the world. On today's show, I've got Jamie Weissman, and Jamie Weissman is TVR Automotive out of Tuscaloosa, Alabama, and he's got a 67 bug that's completely built for overlanding. It's super rad. Uh, if you don't follow him on Instagram, you should. It's Jamie Weissman, and uh, it's definitely something cool. It's called El Burro 67, and that's got its own little Instagram page. But this is, uh, it's pretty rad. Um, he's got a lot of modifications done to this thing and really a lot of thought put into the building of this Beetle to take it off-road. So I figured you guys would appreciate the podcast, and I know that uh, I've been interested in getting a lot of details about some of the real unique things he's done as far as powertrain and things that, like that. So uh, we'll get into it. Uh, without any further ado, let's get into it this week, guys. Jamie Weissman, TVR Automotive on Let's Talk Dubs. You probably don't know that there's a new Volkswagen out that doesn't look like a Volkswagen. Hey everybody, so on today's show, uh, if you haven't been following Jamie Weissman out of Tuscaloosa, Alabama, he's got a business called TVR Automotive, and he's got a, an overlander bug that's definitely something that's got a lot of time, effort, and energy put into it, and a lot of really unique uh, mods done to it, and if you follow him, you sh if you don't follow him, you should be, and you can follow him on Instagram at Jamie Weisman, and uh, you'll see the, the El Burrow bug that he's got there, but... I wanted to welcome Jamie to the podcast today. Jamie, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks a lot for having me, man. Hey, buddy. So we've been playing back and uh, tag back and forth for a little bit, trying to just get you on the show. Oh, yeah. I think it was over a year ago when I reached out to you at first. Yeah, it's been it's been off and on. <laughs> yeah, so it's been it's been a wild time. And you know, right. I, I first caught wind of you when I was cruising Instagram, and I can't remember if somebody sent me the link or I just happened to stumble across it, and I was like, man, this this Overlander <laughs> bug is you know it's kind of like a class ten on steroids. And, yeah, right. And I, and I want to get into a lot of the detail because you got a lot of stuff. But the way we always start the podcast, the same way every time. What's your VW story and how did you get into Volkswagens? Oh, wow. It, um, it's not, I haven't been into Volkswagens that long. Um, my wife, she always wanted one. And uh, back in 2016, she was looking around facebook and came across one and she always loved the uh, the color this metallic green that the chevrolets were painted with and everything like the new uh, camaros and stuff and yeah so she found that and and she ended up buying it and it was a super beetle it's a 72 super beetle and it was someone already did all the work to it and it still needed some more stuff done to it so when we got it here shipped to the, we bought it in florida and we had it shipped to tuscaloosa and when we got it in it needed a lot more work than what was they told us it needed and so i ended up having to you know rebuild the engine and all that stuff well this is uh, the last time i worked on an air-cooled engine was like back in high school in canada right and they gave us these heads to lap the valves on i was like when am i ever going to work on this again it's like a dinosaur sure. you know, and i was 17 years old right and so now i get it and i'm taking it apart and i was like man this thing's awesome this like you know it reminds me of a little model car so 
I was just starting tearing everything apart and we put it all back together and I put in a, uh, you know, put a set of jugs on it and the bottom of the, the case was good and everything like that. And we just did a little things. Well, when we started driving it, I fell in love with the thing, man. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I was driving it more than my wife was. So, uh, you know, and then, then I kind of got the bug bug. And, um, so after that, uh, we were, I was looking around and I, I told my wife, I told Amber, I was like, I want to, you know, build another bug. I, I want to build one from the ground up. I want to restore one. So I, I was looking around and I found on Facebook one for like 700 bucks. It was a 67 with a sunroof and everything. And it was in Illinois. And, you know, I didn't know about the Samba and all that stuff to find, you know, classifieds. Or I could find something a lot closer. But uh, we, we took a, a road trip up to Illinois and, and got it. And it was, it was a mess. Yeah. <laughs> I shouldn't have bought it. It was so bad, but I, I ended up, you know, putting it together and everything. And, uh, that, that ended up being my green and black bug that I have. And it's got, it's on bags. Um, it's, it, it runs like a champ. And, uh, so, you know, I, I, I drove it and it's like, you know, I, I'm scared to drive this thing. It's, it's too pristine. And so I, I put it up and then, we were wanting to go to Colorado uh, one summer. And so I just, we were looking for a Jeep or we were looking for stuff and we have a Tacoma truck. And we said, no, I don't want to take that. I want something different. And so I found another 67 in Tennessee, which is far away. And my whole idea was to get that, to flip it. Well, on the way back from getting it, I was like, you know, we could convert this into like some kind of Baja or take it, you know, drive it out to Colorado. And she says, you do what you want to do. And so, one thing led to another, and uh, it didn't end up like a Baja at all, which my wife didn't want. She likes the full fendered vehicle. So that was always in the back of my head when I was building this thing, and um, I just went from there. And that's that's my bug story. It's not from 2016 till present, you know? So, well, you know, in your day job, you you own an automotive, uh, is it an automotive repair yeah. shop, or what is it you do? Right. We, we specialize in a Volkswagen, Audi, and BMW, and Toyota and Honda, which I am, a, I was a master Toyota technician uh, for 13 years, and then I opened my own shop. Well, I've been at my own shop longer than 20 years now, so, you know, and then, we decided just to go with the German cars. We still work on some Japanese, but yeah, but you know, I have a background. Um, so an automotive background and then as you get into the VWs, so you've, you've got access to doing all kinds of stuff and, and put some extra work in, which is kind of crazy to do that after you're done <laughs> with your day job, right. Is to go work on another right. car. Well, well, the good thing about having it in my own shop is it's just my brother and me and my wife, my wife's office. So, my brother, man, my brother's gone home around two o'clock in the afternoon. He, he he's done for the day because he's an independent contractor at the shop, and so in the afternoon, um, I can either still work on customers' cars, but usually I can finish up what we need to do for the week or that day in the morning, and so the afternoon I can work on the borough and, and do some stuff and. Um, you know, and that's when I ended up doing so I would send a lot of things out. Well, after a while, it's like, you know, I, I've got a welder. I need to buy some. So I end up buying more equipment and stuff just to fabricate stuff. Right. And, you know, and so then the shop gets cluttered with more equipment and everything. But, um, and you know, the bad thing about it, I don't make money off of this equipment that I bought is just for my stuff. Right. For hobbies. <laughs> Yeah. And so, you know, it, it went from there like that. So it was crazy. 
Um, now, now, when you started building this, because this is this is, I haven't seen a lot of bugs built like this, right? I mean, it's, <laughs> the, the, and, and that's what I really like about it. It's super unique. It's a full fendered bug, and you've gone through a couple iterations. But what was your initial vision on building this thing? Like, you just wanted like a Jeep version of a bug, like. Yeah, pretty much. And, and you know, the, I know my wife hated, she didn't want the Baja fenders and everything. So that was always in the back of my mom was going, it's like, well, shoot, man, how am I going to build this thing where I could put these huge tires underneath it and, um, and not have it scrub and everything like that. Well, the borough, the, when I first started out, it had, you know, the regular front beam on it and I built some three inch lift spindles for it. And, uh, you know, cut and, and widened it two inches and, and you know, had the, the torsion lift in the front. And then in the back, we had a 67 bus with the reduction boxes. And right. I, I made my own um, no-hop kit for it. I saw a picture of it on the Internet, and I was like, well, that's easy to make. So we made that and uh, and put it on there. Well, the th- you know, the reduction box is giving about a three-inch lift in the back. The only bad thing is that is stupid swing axle. I, I'm not a big fan of them right. on off-road. Sure. But it, it, it worked great, and um, it, it did great. I mean, it, it, it could do anything. The only, I was just worried of how weak that transmission is with the power of the engine I had on it. Right. Um, but it held up pretty good. I guess the reduction box kind of took some stress off the tranny. But, um, now yeah. when, when you say that, the now I had a 1900 in a double cab that I had with reduction boxes on it. And as you get on the throttle, the, the rear end, the wheels start, you know, kind of tweaking down, like it lifts at the back end of the car up. Yeah. Now, is that the anti hop you're talking about? That's the no hop, the no hop kit. Yeah. It used to be, I can't remember the company that made them back in, back in the day. Um, and I saw pictures of it. Someone had on Samba, someone had, had a kit on their vehicle and I looked at it and I was like, well, it's pretty easy. And so I kind of just designed it up uh, on my computer program and then had cut it out in the plasma cutter. Kind of just, it was a couple variations I had it made. And then I finally came to one where it worked great. And yeah, you put that on there and it doesn't raise up or nothing. It just goes, you know? So um, it, it, that really helps out on the swing axle. Um, But yeah, that's, that's what the no hop kit. And I build those for people. If someone needs one, um, you know, I, I'll cut them up, and, you know, take a couple of weeks, but I can build one for them. I send them all the way over to, to uh, Portugal. So, <laughs> wow. And, and so on this bug, you, you, you stretch the front end two inches or four inches. Yeah. I widened it two inches. So you widened it two inches. And now, you, mm-hmm. now did you just saws all the fenders and then put a fender, like a fender skirt on there or what? Yeah. What? All I, yeah. All I did was just, uh, I just put these masticate, just traced what I needed to. I took the. I had the the little leaf springs out so I could raise it up just to make sure that the tires weren't scrub the fenders and then I just raised it up and then I cut enough off and then I just bought those universal flares and put on there and it turned out pretty good. Yeah, I mean it, it looks super cool, man. I mean, it's it's got a real cool look to it. Now, how how high is it lifted? What's the overall lift on it? Well, right now, since I built my new front suspension, I, I built a, a custom A arm suspension, A arm suspension that bolts up to where the factory beam went. Um, it, it right now I have 15 inches of ground clearance. And what's the total uh, travel? Uh, total travel is 10 inches in the back, and I have about a little over eight and a half in the front. So I wish I could have more. I could have a lot more in the front, but the hardest part in the back is getting axles that can handle the droop. <laughs> so right. right now I got the 930 axles in there, and I can get. Uh, you know, I'm down. I'm pushing it at 24 degrees. So. 
uh, droop and you know, I don't want to just ruin the axles in the back, but yeah, I could, I could get a whole lot more out the front, but, but I'm, I'm, I got around 10 inches in the back, which is a pretty good amount of travel. And now are you still, are you still, um, swing axle in the rear? No, it's, it's now it's alley independent with uh, three by three arms in the back. Yeah. I was going to say, so, so you swapped yeah. it. Uh, so how I long, did. how long do you go with the, with the reduction box trans? Ooh, I had that. I had that all the way up when I had my YouTube video was still reduction box. I had that all the way up till 2000. I, I started building. No, I swapped it over in two. When I swapped over to the bus transmission, um, that was 2019. And so I went with the Dolo 2 uh, bus transmission from Benco. And then I went ahead and put just the stock arms that were beefed up in, in the stock axles with just the, the longer sh- the axle shaft. Now, I saw here on your, on your Instagram page, you, you were making reduction boxes on the trailing arms. Right. I tried that. Um, <laughs> so what's the, what was the concept? Was that like, like, like four wheel drive or like a, a quad, not quad, but side by side reduction boxes or what? Yeah. yeah. Well, what, what the idea was is to get me more travel, more lift without mm-hmm. the axle inclination. Right. So like, cause the axles will be up three inches in, in the tire. They give you a kind of a lift on it, but they, 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 they were going to work. It's just the reduction. I, after I got to thinking about it, the reduction boxes are just so darn loud, man. You know, they're going down the interstate at, at 65 miles an hour. They're just whining and singing because they're straight cut gears. Right. And, and they, they drive you, it drive you bonkers. Oh yeah. <laughs> no, I, your open. I, I had a, I had an H one at one time and those have the straight cut the reduction <laughs> yeah, boxes. Yeah. And there, I mean, it's definitely, it's a, it's a wine that you kind of get used to, but, uh, yeah, so it, it's a one of a kind one. <laughs> so you tried to do IRS with reduction boxes and the, yeah. and the reduction boxes you used were VW reduction boxes. Ones, there's the same ones off the type two. I just kind of machined them where they fit and, and, uh, made some mounting pattern on the back and machined a thing in for a seal. And then I machined some, uh, stub axles mm-hmm. that, are shortened and so they sit in there and attach the gear and you can attach an axle to it and they bolted up and everything but i just yeah, there was a lot more stuff i had to do to it and i was just getting aggravated with it <laughs> so so then you, you switched know. to the the 002 box yeah i went to the 002 box and just went to the stock um uh the stock a the our stock arms and trailing arms in the back yeah, because the, the, um, the 002, I mean, the, the bus box, late model bus box has got super low gears in it already. Right, right? I, yeah, I had a 538, yeah. So it was really low gear, and I didn't need the reduction box then. So, And, you know, that transmission was great. It, uh, I mean, I, like you could put it in first gear, and it was it would crawl. It was really good. It was kind of like the, the other transmission with the reduction boxes. Put in first gear, you can let your foot off the gas, and it would still keep on going. Well, and the, um, and the 002 boxes are a lot tougher than right the type, um, the type one box. Right, correct, yeah. So, so I, I got, I got rid of the swing axle stuff and, and went that route, and I kept the 002 box for well till now when mm-hmm. I put the other engine in, and because I was worried that the 002 box was going to hold the power. And so, you know, now that, that that's an interesting, so I wanted to, before we get to the engine, which is really, really the unique part, let's talk about some of the things you've outfitted this car. So I saw that you have a bus shifter inside it. Um, right. And, and, and that's, um, is that more of a comfort thing? Like when you're driving, you can <laughs> shift these? Well, it, it, 
it was a practical thing because I got a three inch body lift. And so when I put the stock shifter down there and I have Honda Civic seats in there that are mounted onto the the cage and everything. And so when I was reaching down for the stock shifter, I said, this is no good. I I mean, I'm trying to look over the windshield, you know, over the steering wheel and shift at the same time. It's kind of short. And I was like, well, crap, I can't, I, you know, I I love the short throws, empty, empty shifters. Like, and then I I saw that they made the bus one. It's like, well, crap, I'm going to get that. And when I put it in there, it would hit the dash. Like it was too straight. Right. And so I took it and I put it on my tubing bender and uh, bent it, bent it back a little bit more and then put a little bend going to the right just because if I went to go put in reverse, it hit steering wheel. And so it just works perfect now. It, it, it shifts real good and it's kind of comfortable too because it's right up where you could just lay your hand on it. So, yeah. It, and so, some of the stuff that you've done to make this thing a little more drivable as you put, because putting, you know, when you put the big tires in there, it looks super cool, but it really changed the dynamics of how it drives. Oh, yeah. You yeah. Know, you, <laughs> you for sure feel the unsprung weight of the wheel, right? Just trying right. to turn those wheels and things like that. And as far as, let, let's start off with the interior. So what what are some of the amenities? Now, I know it's got air conditioning, right? Right. It's got air conditioning. Correct. And it's got, um, a, it's got a, a Webasto diesel air heater in it. Um, that I shouldn't have got the big one, but it, it'll run you out of there. So I, and then, um, yeah, the air conditioner, uh, is, you know, it's got a full roll cage on the inside. I've got the Honda civic seats that have reupholstered, um, the back where the back seat was, I kind of, extended it out when I was building the boat cause it was all rusted out back there. So mm-hmm. I kind of just squared it off. And then, so right behind the seats, I made a custom, uh, 16 gallon fuel tank out of aluminum. And so it sits back behind the seats under, um, some panels and everything. You really don't even see it there and they're carpeted. So you have some cargo room in the back. And it's kind of lightened uh, up the front end a little bit for those big old Yeah, and big old it, it gives tires. you a lot more storage, too, in the front. Because, like, right now, all in the front is, like, my 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 gear bags, like, for, for recovery. Um, I carry a lot of spare parts with me. I carry all my tools. Um, you know, of course, oil and stuff like that. So it, it, it gives me a whole lot of room under the, the front bonnet. Um, so, yeah. And I know you worked, you right? did relocate the battery to the front, right? Right. I, I, yeah, I put two. Um, so you have two batteries. Correct. I put two 51Rs up front. Mm-hmm. And the reason why I went with those, they don't have a whole lot of cranking, especially with the, the, the starters in the back. So I just went with two, and it kind of gave you, it gives you the double the, the amps and, and, and the capacity of the battery. So that's what I went with that way. They're little, little Honda's 51R batteries. They're real small things, but they they work great they fit perfect up under there so um and and they give you a little more weight over the front um just to keep it from being squirrely uh yeah now on the batteries are you running those are you just running those parallel to the system yeah i am they're just running parallel so you don't have you don't have a an isolator or anything like that on there no 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 so when you that's interesting so it's uh, because I figured I thought, well, shoot, he's got two batteries. He must have all kinds of additional, <laughs> acce- all kind of additional accessories and all kinds of stuff on there. But you put yeah, that there. I do, yeah. And now, as far as lighting stuff like that, what's your setup for, you know, for all the lighting and all that stuff you've got under? Well, it's just, yeah, I got the, you know, it's just the three roof lights, and then I, I got some. Uh, I just went with LED. everything on the vehicle is LED because it, it 
you know, it doesn't soak, suck so much power out of the, the alternator. And plus when I was running the stock alternator, I mean, I had terrible luck with the 90 amp alternators, had terrible luck with the 75 amp alternators. The only alternator I had luck with that were working great was the Bosch 55 amp. Mm -hmm. And so I, I did everything I could to keep it, the, the amp draw at minimum, especially at night, if you run all your lights and your air conditioner, you know, so uh, um, it, it did great. Uh, so that's why I went with all LED stuff in, in the vehicle. Um, but, you know, everything now has changed on that. Yeah, but, that's a that's a whole other ball of wax when people start yeah. seeing when people start seeing what you do with the alternator and all that stuff. I mean, it's, it's completely <laughs> wild. And it, it's interesting because it looks if you're looking at it from a VW guy standpoint, it looks like a mess. If you're looking at it from an import, it, like a German import guy that works on German imports, it's super simple, right? It's like, Oh, this is nothing. Yeah. It's one idler and a couple loops and that's it. You know, and a, yeah. you know, type one funny, guy, he looks at it and goes, Holy funny crap. you should say that. As like, I told my wife when she was looking at it, she said, that's going to fit in there. And, and then I was looking at, and I said, what? I've been working on German cars for so long. I start to think like a German engineer. I'm going to cram this thing in this car no matter what it takes. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. It, uh, it, it's wild when you, when you look at that motor. So you're, let's talk about, you've had a couple different motors in it. Yeah. The first, when I first started out, I had a, what was this? A 19, it's a 1914. I think it was. Well, no, it was a little bit bigger. It was a, it was a 92 stroke, uh, 76 millimeter crank or no, 74 millimeter crank. I can't remember. 1968, mm -hmm. something like that. And I had, and it's in my wife's, uh, super beetle right now. Okay. And, um, it was just carbureted. It had, uh, the knockoff Delorto from MB a, on so, so you went with like your traditional, you, you looked at the off-road guys and yeah. said, okay, they're all running a single, you know, a single, right. um, Weber carb with mm -hmm. a, with a dual plane right. manifold and, and, in off-road racing, which is the extreme of what you're doing, it's like simplicity, minimalism, and reliability right. is kind of the thing. So you said, okay, I'll take a page out of that book and I'll do regular type yeah. one with that single carb setup. Now, how did that overall perform for you? And what was oh, kind of the drawbacks? Carburetor in high altitude. <laughs> but other than that, like, that's the thing. That thing was so reliable. I mean, we went... We were driving to Colorado. We went everything, and the only time I had an issue is when we got to the altitude, which I went and I made sure I bought a bunch of jets. And so I was constantly jetting this carburetor, so it could start easy. And you know, once once we got up to thirteen, fourteen thousand feet elevation, you could really feel it. Or going across a mountain pass is like you're in second gear, just wound out trying to get it up. You kill the engines just starving for air, and it's a carburetor, so I did what I could do. You know, um, but it was super reliable coming home. It took us there and it brought us home. So you drove, you drove that from Alabama to Colorado. Yeah. Yeah. We put, we put 8,000 miles on it that summer. And what kind of, uh, my, what kind of mileage is that thing getting sitting up in the air I, like that? You know, what's crazy. I was getting 18 miles to a gallon. Wow. Yeah. And I had the tank up. I still had the tank in the front where you had to open the hood up to fill it up, but I had the extra capacity one. So it was like 12 gallons. Mm -hmm. And we would go like almost 200 miles before we had to fill up. So it was like great. And what kind of, uh, what, what kind of speed, what kind of, what's your highway speed uh, and RPM? Well, on that one I was doing, we were doing around 65 miles an hour and I was doing about 3,500 RPM. So that was with the reduction boxes in it. 
Yeah, right. And if I had the smaller, if that was with the big 30-inch tires, if I had smaller tires, of course, it'd be turning more RPM than that. But yeah, and <laughs> coming home, I was ready to come home. So I was doing 70 miles an hour and 4,000 RPM. I was, <laughs> ready, <laughs> I was ready to come home, man. But uh, yeah, it, it did great. Um, and that, so when you, so that's your first trip, like your, your 1960, 1960 motor, Eight, yeah. Yeah. 1968 motor reduction box trans stock, mm-hmm. stock type one beam with, with turned torsions. And did you have lifted yeah. spindles on it too, or just the turned torsions? Yeah, I had lifted, lifted spindles on there also. Yeah. So you kind of did, that's version 1.0 of, of Elboro, yeah. <laughs> yes, right? Yeah. And right, then right. you come back after that. I mean, that trip to, to Colorado and back has got to be a few thousand miles, right? That's four thousand yeah, mile trip. Yeah, I mean, it was, yeah, it was. It was like I said, we put eight thousand miles on it that summer, driving around everywhere. And you so don't, you we don't, went, you don't have a spare on that. Do you have a spare on that thing somewhere? Yeah, it's on the roof rack. Oh, okay. So you have the spare laying flat on the roof rack. Yeah. Uh huh. And I mean, honestly, here's the reality, right? With the weight of that car, you, I, I highly doubt. I mean, it kind of bounces off the rocks. I don't think you're really torturing tires with that thing. Have you had much issue with tires or any of that kind of stuff? No, I have never. And, and you know what's funny is like the tires, I, I took the mud grips that were on there just because they were loud. Mm-hmm. And um, <laughs> I went with uh, the general all-terrains and I'm, the mud grips I took off were still new looking. And then I got the generals and I've had the generals on there for 5,000 miles and they still look brand new. So, yeah. yeah. It's like the, you know, it's like the same with the side by sides. I mean, I, I drive side by sides off road for, for fun. And, and what we used to do when we'd go to Mexico is we'd get light duty truck tires and put them on the side by sides. And I mean, those things, because they don't, you know, they don't, they don't weigh anything there. It's not a 4,000 pound vehicle. And it's like, right, right. Those things, they take it, they take a good punishing. So, um, so you've never had to break out the spare. No, never had to. I just had to protect it from the sun. <laughs> right, it's getting more damage from from being dry rotted. Yeah, right. So you yeah. come, so you come back after your first trip, and 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 what's your thinking yourself? You're like, I like it, but I need it to be different. I need to do something else. Uh, well, yeah, we went, and it's like we got to do this again. So our plan was to do it the next summer, and uh, I built a trailer. Uh, we wanted the thing was it sucked sleeping in a tent, taking a tent and everyone, we just stayed in a tent and I was like, this, this is terrible. Now was this, Um, was this an event you're going to a specific event for like, no, it was just, it was just a vacation. It was just something to see Colorado. We've never been out there. So we just stayed at campgrounds and stuff like that. And, um, so it was, it was rough sleeping, having a cooler on the back and sleeping out of tents. Um, yeah, (laughs) for two weeks. But, um, we, uh, so when I came back, I decided, uh, you know, this this thing can tow a trailer. So I built an off-road trailer um, with a rooftop tent and, you know, uh, the Dometic refrigerator and all that stuff in there. And my plan was to build it as light as I could. Well, it ended up being 1,500 pounds when I was done. Yeah. <laughs> so so when I went to go pull. For the, tr- for the little trailer was 1,500 pounds? Yeah. Good so, grief. You built yeah. that thing stout, huh? I know. I should have built it out of aluminum. Was that, did, did I but, see there was a fridge in there too? Yeah, I have a Dometic refrigerator. It's a, it's man, this thing when you take it somewhere, it's it's awesome. Like, um, but I I tried towing it with the the burrow with the reduction gear, and I ruined th- fourth gear. That's why I went with the 002 transmission. Right. It, it just it ignited it annihilated the little keyway for fourth gear. Yeah. So uh, that's when I was like, you know, uh, I think I'm going to upgrade. And then 
it was like a snowball effect after that is one thing after another. <laughs> That's nuts. Yeah. Cause so, the, the, so then your first thing on the list is like, I'm upgrading the trans while, and, and it's probably the famous, like while I got the engine out, I'm yeah. going to, and I built another engine. Yeah. <laughs> it's like when you give a mouse a cookie, That's it's it. like, uh, um, yeah. So yeah, I did it. I said, well, I'm going to build another engine. So I built, um, a 20 was it 2180 Mm -hmm. um and then when i did that i went with the holly sniper fuel injection which is like a a holly 2300 carburetor it's an all-in-one unit Mm -hmm. and it had a center mount and i went all that still had air conditioning everything else on it and uh went that route just and the 002 transmission just so i could tow this trailer well amazingly it Toted like it wasn't back there. Like it was, I was surprised. Because and, <laughs> now this is the second setup you put in there. Yeah, this this is the one with the. the I still now I still had the front beam on there. Mm-hmm. I didn't do my front suspension, and I still had the front beam. I just had the. I just upgraded with the 002 transmission in the trailing arms, um, independent, and then um, and put the the 2180 engine in there. Um, and this is beef, and, this is still carbureted or what's well, EFI? But is it? Is it yeah, it's ter- still EFI, but it's a center mount. So it looks like a carburetor, but it's fuel injection. And so it, it still has to run through that intake, you know? But this is with a turbo, without the turbo? This is without turbo. This okay. is just still in it. So we have um, we have four different iterations of engines in this thing. Is no, right? three. Okay, three. three. Okay. Yeah. So the, 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 the 2180 was the second generation engine I put in there. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, it was a 86 millimeter crank and, and 92 millimeter bore. Um, and it had, uh, AS 21, I came across an AS 21 case from the fuel injected cars and had that machined at, uh, Remco and, um, put it all together and it started up and with that fuel injection, that was like, that was awesome. And, and I mean, it, it, it ran so good with the fuel injection. Um, and that was with, so the, much power. with the sniper set up on it. Yeah, the sniper, sniper twenty three hundred. Yeah, so sniper twenty three hundred on a on a center mount manifold, mm-hmm. and naturally aspirated, and new new bus box in there, and now it's pulling that trailer like no big deal. Oh yeah, man. And and you, know, I was like, well, it's going to overheat. It never did get. I never had cylinder head temperatures, wide open throttle going up a hill or something like. Never had them get past four hundred degrees so like i've got a cht gauge in there and it, it stays great like um but then then again i also modified my fan housing this conversation should go on for months but no, anyways, hey, look, I, we, we have we have the time for that because that's the thing right everybody sees what you do and there's so many things underneath yeah, those layers right so don't hesitate to talk about it because obviously <laughs> but, you you have some cooling issues. There's RPM and fan speed, and what the original factory right. fan is designed to run at. Which, right. when you're doing those RPMs, the fan may fall off a little bit because you've got a close gear oh, yeah. trans, and that right. that tranny is designed for a pancake motor with a barrel fan on it. Right, right. So and so what I did. So what I did is I I um, CB Performance sells um, uh, a non doghouse fan. Um, the the what you call it? Right. The, the, the 40 36 horse, horse or yeah, 40 yeah, horse fan. the round one. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, well, you know, but they make it for the wider fan, the updated fan, but it's only made for the, uh, 
single port engines where the, the cooler runs up inside the, the, the housing, right? Right. It's not a doghouse. So I took it apart and took, I had another a doghouse fan just like it, but I had to, and I took both of them apart. I, I drilled all the, the um, spot welds out and I put the, I took them out and I took all the veins out of the, the one that I got from CB and then took all the veins out from the empty one that I had and put in there. And lo and behold, it cooled a million times better on cylinders number four and three. So what, um, did, what did you do? You took the, you took the, so the, are the fan blades a different pitch? On no, the, the veins, the veins inside the fan housing. Oh, inside so the, the fan housing. The, yeah. So the veins direct the fan, the, the veins inside the fan housing direct the air over the cylinders. Right. And oh, so, so in, you pulled in, the, in the, the single veins. port, right, right. Yeah. Right. So in the single port, I tried running it with just a single port setup without the, the cooler in there. And yeah, it was my, my cylinder head temperatures were going way up. And so I said, crap, I, you know, I love this fan cause it's compact. This fan housing is compact. It doesn't have the doghouse on there. Cause I'm running two oil coolers on top of the roof rack. Right. And so I don't need the doghouse cooler anymore. So I, I said, well, I wonder if I can take the guts out of the other one, you know, so I started taking the part and I put the veins, the, the air directing veins inside the, the other one and got, and I'm, I'm still using the flaps to the cooling flaps. Mm-hmm. Um, especially here, we get kind of cool days and if I'm driving daily driver, I want the engine to warm up properly and everything. So I got the cooling flaps on there still, um, in the, the thermostat. So uh, I put that back on there and man, it was great. Like it, it, it was cool. It ran cooler with that than it was with the stock, doghouse so you, you took the doghouse veins from inside that shroud and put it in the early style shroud since you were right. since you went without a cooler right that's pretty slick yeah. because i'm you know i'm looking at that right now i picked up a puma shroud from uh for one of my cars and i brought it to my brother's shop and i was like hey let's put this inside my chop top i like the puma shroud because it's kind of short and stubby on the cross top yeah yeah and he's like yeah that's not a doghouse shroud and i was like oh and now, yeah, and now, so, and I run a remote cooler as well as a stock cooler in a car. But I right. thought, man, maybe. So you could take apart a stock housing and just take those veins out and swap them out. You just drill the spot welds; it comes right, it comes apart pretty easy. And you could see where to put them, and you just tack weld them all in there. So you um, were originally when when you took your dual port engine and thought, oh, easy fix. I'll just put a single port. A, a four, yeah. you know, forty yeah, horse shroud on it, and that's all. Yeah. That's all done, and then you start realizing you're spiking head temps and stuff like that because yeah. the vein, because it's just sometimes if it's just pushing too much air inside that shroud, it's not directing it, and it just starts to back up on the motor. I mean, who knows? But right, the, the veins, right. the veins kind of help deliver that air a little bit better. So yeah, and see that 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 doghouse one that non non doghouse uh, shroud was not meant for that wider fan either, you know. So you're getting a lot of more CFH going through there, um, and it's it, it can't handle it. So once so, I did that, it it flowed better. So you're using a doghouse fan in a doghouse fan in a non doghouse right. cooler. Right, but but MP uh, not MP CB Performance has that in stock. So they, they make have, a wider they make a wider non right. non doghouse shroud for the late model fan. Correct. But it doesn't yeah. have the veins in it. Right, you just have to swap them, and that's I didn't realize that. <laughs> this gotcha. see, this is like a lot of this stuff I'm doing is a learning curve for me. Sure. And I always learn from my mistakes, so I've always buy stuff, and then I end up buying something again. You know, so it's like right. I learn. And, but that's how I've always done stuff. 
And so this, this worked out for me. And so like, but I enjoy doing stuff like this. It's like, I enjoy the challenge to find something and making it work. Um, and something that I can get off the shelf and not have to fabricate something. I do fabricate stuff to make that fit, but I much rather buy something off the shelf. So if I'm somewhere, I can stop at AutoZone. I can stop at Advanced Auto Parts and run in there. It's like, I need this for for my engine, you know, and I could bolt it in there and I can get it somewhere, you know, right. so. So that, so that was engine version two. So you conquered the, the, the heating cooling issue and yep. now it's running good. What makes you decide? Because I noticed that you threw a turbo on there. Now, what? Yeah. How, so, did, that, <laughs> how did like, man, this thing pulls great. You know what I need? More power. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I got to thinking, um, you know, going to Colorado, it's still like a natural aspirate. So it's still at high elevation. It's not going to. And we wanted to tow the trailer up to Colorado. And I was like, well, it's still going to have struggles, you know. Um, so. I said, you know, it needs to be force fed because this, the only thing that's not affected by altitude is a, a turbocharged vehicle. And so now, uh, pa- said, pause there one second. Now you're, you're saying that cause I'm just a lay person here. Right. But you're, okay. cer- you're certified trained master technician. And we look at, mo- <laughs> we look at modern day cars and, and all the modern day cars are all turbocharged now. So with that technology, you're looking at, you're going, as you're starting out with this plan, you start out with, okay, I got to upgrade to fuel injection. Now I'm going to upgrade to turbocharging. Now, when you say it's not affected by altitude, explain that to some of us like me and some of our listeners that, do, that don't understand because we're just still garage level mentality, but it's got to do with the boost pressure, but go ahead well, yeah. and kind of explain that it's atmospheric pressure. Mm-hmm. So, you know, atmospheric pressure is 14.7, uh, you know, it's, and so what it does, if you're going up there, you're, you're losing air. And so the engines have to compensate by leaning out the mixture. Mm-hmm. So you, you can only lean out so much and you only get so much air into the engine and it's still going to lack its power. So what the turbocharger does, it, it keeps it where you're forcing that air in there and still get the same amount of fuel. And so the engine never loses the power. Uh, so the so, good thing about that, that's so it sees when you're boosting the EFI setup doesn't see a lack of air. It's like, we've got plenty of air, add more fuel at, instead of leaning out, it's running at its regular, oh, regular right. fuel mixture. The only time it's not going to is when you're not running in boost. But, you know, when you're not running in boost, you're usually cruising around and the engine's fine. But as soon as you need that power to go up the hill or grade or anything like that, and it gets it to boost, it's going, it, the engine's not going to sense anything different. It's just like, oh, we're still good, you know. Um, so you so took, it's just like you're at sea level. So you took <clears throat> the boosted version on the same trip? No, I did not. Okay. The, the, this, this new turbo engine is, hasn't been... It hasn't even been driven in the car yet. It is in the car, but I haven't driven it in the car yet. Now, so, have, have you taken the EFI setup on the same up, up through the mountains without the turbo setup on it? Yes, yes. And, uh, the, and it, it's still a slug. So, <laughs> I mean, it, it, everything's it did cool way better. until you get to altitude, and then you're really feeling yeah. the difference. It, and, well, the good thing about it is with the fuel injection, I don't have to jet anything. So, right. it automatically will, uh, uh, in, in the EFI system, the Hollies, they're awesome systems. They, they self-learn, so everything was compensating itself. And so it you would, it wasn't as bad as last time. I still had power, mm-hmm. but you could still feel it. Um, 
and uh, but it did compensate everything. So it is still start up good and everything like that. Um, it's just, I didn't take the trailer and uh, I really wanted to take her off road trailer, but I, I knew it, with the engine that was in it, it wasn't going to tow it up these grades. Um, and, I, and when the air spinner too, there's not a whole lot of air running across the cylinders and I didn't want to chance everything, especially when, when you're, when you don't have a turbo or something like that and you're straining the engine even more. I was like, no. So we just took it out there without, without that. And now, um, and now, so you're running the standalone. You, do you, do you have a separate tune for the sniper setup? Okay. The sniper setup has, it's just, you just have that one tune. It learns you, 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 you get the, the tune, you let it learn. It's kind of complicated on that end. Um, but I got it where it's tuned and it runs great here because we're, we're only 300 feet above sea level here. Mm-hmm. And so it, it runs great. So as you're driving, um, it's still, you can keep a learn on, there's a, there's a function you can turn your learn on or turn it off and I keep the learn and there's compensation limits and all this, <laughs> it can get confusing, sure. but, uh, so well, what it's doing well, as so I get to more altitude. One quick question on the EFI setups. Now these mm-hmm. EFI setups are mostly designed for water cooled cars, Correct. which means the parameters are off a little bit when it comes to sensing temperatures, because as it, it uses the temperature of the engine as another compensating factor uh-huh. to rich in the motor. So, so even though it's out of the box, you as the programmer, quasi programmer, you still have to modify it to trick the computer because it's not specifically air cooled, right? It's not. It's not that hard because what we're doing, what we're doing now, is we're using the engine oil as your coolant. Oh, got it. So, so we run the coolant temp sensor into the sump in the bottom part of the case, and there's there's your coolant. And so, what do you and what do you run temp wise on your in in the sump? On my on my on my uh, coolant on my uh, my oil <laughs> yeah uh, oil. Um, you know, when we were going up there, it was it was hot as blazes, man. When we were going through Kansas this past summer, and so I was doing right at two hundred and ten degrees on the oil um, inside the and, sump. Yeah, inside the sump. So mm-hmm. that coming in from the fans is going to be a whole lot cooler. Sure. So that's what that's what that was reading. Now I don't have anything to read what's coming in from fan from the coolers, but it's got it'll, it's got to be a whole lot cooler than that, you know. But it never did get above 210 degrees. Um, I have my fans where they caught on at 200, so they stayed on constantly while I was driving it. Um, and how much I, how much oil you're running in it? It it holds seven quarts. Okay, because you've got all the two external external coolers, all that stuff. Now, how are you? Yeah, and, and how are you purging? How are you purging all that oil? Like, how do you uh, get it to to? I mean, are you manually pressurizing the oil system after every oil change so that you make sure that all the lines are full and everything? Or what? What do you? Yeah, no, well, well, yeah, but I've got um, it's got check valves. I've I've got check valves in there, so it's got a check valve coming out of the oil pump, mm-hmm. and there's a check if you get the oil filter it has a check valve in it. It keeps everything for draining back. The only drawback with that is I'm not getting all the old oil out of the lines, which I can if I take the lines off. Mm-hmm. But um, I do have a fitting that's on there and I have a pressurized system at work that I can pressurize the lines if I want to, to fill up lines. But uh, I've got the the high volume oil pump on there, the 30 millimeter one. And you start it up in like five, six seconds later, it the oil pressure is right there. Yeah. So it's it's not running long enough to hurt anything. Well, um, and I'm and I'm almost wondering what's what's interesting is I've got I've got a side by side and this this double X that I have, 
Mm-hmm. You know, I've noticed every time I heard them crank, they crank super long. Well, they crank, it won't turn ignition on until the oil pressure is built up. Yeah. So, I, and then, you know, some of the new cars are like that too. And I thought that was pretty slick. And I thought, oh, you know, you could do that in a Volkswagen. And the mm-hmm. problem is with your VW, sometimes the old wiring, the old charging systems uh, are not long for this world <laughs> when you're taxing them like that. But I thought that was a pretty slick. So when you started saying that, I started thinking, oh, yeah, you could put a delay on there that had, that's triggered, mm-hmm. closes the ignition circuit once it builds up to basic pressure. Um, right. Which I think would maybe. And, and who knows what level of adding life to the motor that would do. You know, I don't know if anybody's right. getting clear and- data. When when I don't when when I'm not changing the oil or anything, with the check valves in there, the oil stays in the line, and it, it the, as soon as I start it up, it, it's got instant oil pressure. So it's not like it takes a while for it to build up. You know, it, it that's the good thing with the check valves in there. Um, so it doesn't drain out of the lines and back into the sump and all that. And so now, now the new setup that's turbo and all that stuff, and we're we're gonna kind of get into that. But I got a couple of questions on the motor. Now I thought, and I'm not sure. I don't know why I thought that at some point you were gonna do a Subaru swap in that thing. Was was it ever <laughs> no. was it ever a contemplation you were, you were gonna do no, that? I told I told my wife. I said I wanted all air cooled VW. I don't want the, the, if I went Subaru swap, I'd be bored with this car already. Right. Um, I, I, you know, that's, I can see doing a bus or something like that, right. you know, just, yeah, but I, I'm, I'm, I'm air cooled, man. And it's like, the, that's the coolest thing is taking this places. And people said, you, you towed that with an air cooled engine or you, you had, how, how did that air cooled make it up that altitude? Like, and it's cool because it, that's the challenge to me. And that's what makes it fun. Yeah. Um, if I had a super engine in there and the radiator and all that, and it was just like driving a regular car. It'd be like, uh, we wouldn't be on the phone, you know? So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, no, I get it. I, I'm, I'm, I'm air cooled all the way. When it's an old VW, it has to be air cooled. And, no, and that's, awesome. that's me. Yeah. So, so now this new, the new version of the engine is, so you, so now I'm looking on your Instagram and I see the the turbo setup that you're doing and this is back mm-hmm. this is back in uh 2021. Right. That's when I first started with it, yeah. And so you started the turbo thinking like I'm going to turbo it. So so from the time you pulled that motor out, turboing it and all that stuff, it's never been back in you were going down one direction and then switch gears completely well, down another direction. This, is, this I, that engine was still in there up till now. That uh this is a third engine I built from scratch. So uh, I, that being said, I, this new engine, I had built my own aluminum for it, mm-hmm. um, and had a nickel sill plated from, um, uh, millennium technologies. Hold on. We, we broke up there for one second. You built your own what? Aluminum cylinders. So you machined your own aluminum cylinders. Correct. And well, had them nickel sill plated. What made you, what made you think to do that? Well, well, <laughs> um, I looked into getting Ellen engineering in, uh, I think they're Wisconsin or Illinois sells them. And they were just, I mean, I'm not saying they're a bad company. It's just way out of my price league to buy them. So and uh, what's a set, what's a set of aluminum. I had some Nikki's. I, I have a motor, a type, I had a type four motor built by Jake Raby in my type 34. Oh, yeah. So he uses Ellen engineering Nikki's. Correct. He uses the Nikki's pistons, which are, are those now those are aluminum pistons yeah. that are Nikki's. They're, they're aluminum cylinders and forged pistons. Um, so I, uh, I was going to get some and they're $5,500. <laughs> and to, just, so our, just so our listeners understand, 
This is the technology Porsche used in the 80s with their Porsche right. cylinders, right? So right. they were nickel plated, all that stuff. So Porsche is just using, like a dirt bike. Correct. Yeah. They're using all this technology back then. And so for $5,500, you're like, you know what? Bag that. I got a, I got a mill and a lathe and I'll make my own, my own cylinders. <laughs> exactly. Like Seriously, like you. That's a that's a big deal. So I bought some billet, a build aluminum, and, and needless to say, like I said, I I, I screw those up, and uh, so uh, you know they weren't screwed up bad enough. I just they weren't to my liking, so I went and bought four more billets and machined them. Finally, got four perfect ones that, um, and machined them. I said uh, there's pictures on my Instagram page. You can see where I was doing that, and I sent them off to Millennium Technologies, and that's where Ellen Engineering sends their stuff to get nickel plated. Um, so I contacted the guy there and he said, yeah, we can, we can nickel sell those for you. This, we do it for a company all the time. Same way, you know, so I got them back and they, they look awesome. And I had uh, sent my pistons off with it too. I got JE pistons in there and I installed, um, gapless piston rings also to, um, knock out the blow by. Now, Um, what were you all in by the time you were done? Now this is not including obviously your hours, what with between, just 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 yeah, parts just raw cost of parts Woo. Fifteen thousand. no 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 just on the pistons and oh just the, oh okay just pistons just on and the cylinders, cylinders. That, that was a whole engine 15, oh no i got the cylinders so i paid a thousand dollars to have them nickel so plated i paid uh eight hundred dollars for the pistons and it was like well i could if you take in consideration the the $250. So about $500 for the billets. It would have been only $250, but I screwed up the first $250. Um, and then of course I had the machines and anything to do it, but you know, I've come out less than what half it would be to buy them. So, so you're figuring your cost is about $2,500, $3,000 in those pistons. If, if that, yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, I, I'm, I'm probably right around the, the $2,200, $2,300. Range. Now is, you, is your lathe, is it, uh, is it CNC or is it all manual? No, it's all manual. Sweet it's Christmas. Still, Sweet Christmas. Yeah, you spent a week. How long did it take you? <laughs> um, actually, it didn't take that long. Really? Um, I, I, yeah. The, the, the longest part is is machining down five and a half inch blocks of aluminum. It's like it makes a mess. Um, a couple of weeks. I, I would do it in the afternoons, and it took a couple of weeks. And then, like, some things had to be taken off the lathe and put on a milling machine to have the, the flat spots cut and the holes drilled in the top for the, the studs and all that. But the rest of it was all done on the lathe. Um, and I don't have a huge lathe. I just have a little smithy lathe that I bought several years ago. Um, it's a three-in-one, but I never use a milling function on it. I have my own milling machine. But um, it works good. Um, you know, I'm not a I'm not a machinist. Uh, I'm well, a self taught everything. You're a machinist in my book. <laughs> you, make your, you make your own <laughs> but, set of pistons and cylinders, man. You're but a yeah, machinist. But, the, but like, I just I self taught everything I I know. I I learned on my own, and so I do things like if a machinist saw me building these cylinders, he'd probably be laughing at me. But they came out fine. I mean, so you know, it, it's. Now, what when you decided to do like I'm going to do the aluminum pistons and cylinders, and or, and and the philosophy behind that is now everything is within the same temperature range of metals. Right. right? You don't have cast right. iron against aluminum. You don't have right. different metal expansion rates, and so you can torque that motor, and in theory, it'll stay 
closer to torque spec at all times and a lot less warpage and things to that extent. Now, as far as cooling temps, did you notice anything different with the aluminum cylinders? Uh, On on the test stand? Yeah. (laughs) It it took a long time for it to warm up. Um, Yeah. Well, you know, the aluminum cools like 400% better than the cast iron. So um, I ended up having to put the, the, the cooling fan, the cooling flaps on there again with a thermostat but I actually used uh, electronic solenoid that opens the flaps up after it gets a certain temperature. So I have a, a sensor down there and because I'm running this new engine runs the Holly Terminator X um, it's a standalone with multi-port fuel injection, anything that you can control all that in the EFI software. So the EFI is just like a German car. Now EFI controls everything, the, the cooling flaps, it controls the, the water, the, the pump for the turbo, it controls the, the intercooler pump for the turbo, it controls everything. So um, I had to do that in order for it to warm up properly. So uh, so the Terminator is like, it, the, the Sniper's EFI, the Terminator's engine management. Yeah, the, so the Sniper is an all-in-one unit, has injectors, everything in it. Well, the Terminator is just a standalone, and you have to get your own fuel injectors. You have to get everything else for it. So it's meant to be on like an LS engine or, or a Ford Fox body or whatever like that. Mm-hmm. And so they they little like plug and play on some of those things. But mine, I actually had to build my own harness, um, get your own injectors, and find out which injectors because I at first I was only going to run premium unleaded, and then I was like, no. I'm going to make it flex fuel. So now I got it where it runs, it can run E85 or uh, premium unleaded. All right. So uh, p- pause right there. Cause that's a whole nother conversation. So, <laughs> so, but, and, but it's, but it's, it's interesting knowledge. Cause I remember, you know, or remember my level is hobby garage dude. Right. So gotcha. I had a, I had a CBEFI setup. And I went to the gas station. I was like, oh, look, they got they got uh, ethanol here, or they got the corn gas. I was like, I'll put <laughs> yeah. some of this in there, man. This thing, see how this Not octane. Yeah, and it wasn't good. It wasn't a good no. experience. Mm-hmm. And the reason why, and here's my question, is because on cars they have flex fuel. Like apparently you can go to the pump and just dump and just mix yeah. unleaded with the other stuff. Now, right. obviously, the, the core difference between the two is you run a lot more fuel when you're running right. the ethanol. Now, right. how how does the computer, how does it sense that, especially if you're mixing gas, because I highly doubt that any consumers out there going, oh, look, I, I have to run out my unleaded. <laughs> you know, the average yeah. schmo is just no. shoving that, oh, this this stuff's a buck cheaper, I'm using this, because my car's yeah, flex exactly. fuel. So right. how does it, how does it okay. sense that? Well, you got, you got a flex fuel sensor. So what it is, you'll have a, a flex fuel sensor that goes in there. So it's, it's in line with your fuel going into the fuel rail of the, uh, of the fuel injectors. Mm-hmm. And it's telling the computer how much alcohol is in this fuel. And so in the Terminator software, you go in and you, uh, you put your fuel multiplier in there. And what that does is for every percent of alcohol, it multiplies the fuel. Um, and so, the, the, Holly, you, you can search around, and a lot of people are just running, you know, at, at 100% alcohol, they're running 34 um, on, on their multiple, 34%. So, it, it, it gradually calculates it that way. So, as um, it starts to, it, it's got a sensor calculating how much fuel is mixed in with the gas. Once it, right. once all the regular gas is out of there and it's straight ethanol, it just full tilt to 
right longer yeah. so longer it'll, it'll exposure go, yeah. time a longer injector opening or, or is it just no, more yeah. pressure well yeah it, it just injects more fuel because mm-hmm. uh, the 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 ratio of, of uh, ethanol to gas is totally different so you need a lot more fuel and ethanol plus ethanol you don't get as good fuel mileage either because you're burning more of it but um, right you get worse mileage but in, in theory do you run cooler on ethanol Oh yeah, you run way cooler, and you you can run way more boost too without detonation. So like if like out west, you guys got E85 everywhere. Right. Um, well, I we have say, two I stations. Say, I wouldn't say everywhere. You, I mean, here we town. got we have two yeah. stations in our town. <laughs> <laughs> so I got one by my shop, and then one's out here by the house, which I looked up. So they're 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 close by, so I can fill up. But like I can I can actually drive from here all the way to Colorado or California and use the 85 all the way if I wanted to because it shows the routes. But um, you don't get as good fuel mileage. But it is great if you run in the summer because it does keep the engine a lot cooler. It burns a lot cooler um, just because it's like a hundred and something octane, you know. But uh, yeah, yeah it, it, that that was my hang on a moment. But that was my plan anyway. So. Um, yeah, but yeah, uh, 85 I, is perfect. Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, I think really the, the fear of building a car to run on E85 is availability of fuel, right? And right. what would be, I mean, what, what are we talking about for decreasing mileage? I mean, we're talking 20% worse mileage, 50%. I mean, what, 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 yeah, well, it's about six. I, I think when I was reading, I think it's like 16%, maybe. Okay. So. Less. It's not too bad, but I mean, I'm the hoping to get the same amount of fuel. Yeah, the trade-offs, because yeah, trade-off. in theory, if you're able to push more boost and run cooler, yeah. you're really, you're using less throttle because you've got more power on the bottom end, in theory, right? right? I mean, that's kind of right. the, that's kind of the whole theory behind it, yeah. so. Right. All right, so now, and go ahead. I'm just going to be running, you know, right now, I'm just going to have it, I have it set up for 12 PSI. Uh, I've got, um... So I've got a, a boost scramble switch in the car. And so I'm run, I'm going to run 7 PSI, and then I hit the boost scramble switch, and that'll put it up to 12 to 13 PSI um, and then when I need it, when I need extra boost. But with it, the engine could probably hold way more than that. I just I don't want to run that much more right now um, just to be sure the transmission is going to hold up to it and all that. Um, now, that's another thing I need to do. <laughs> so, and if you're building – Really, in your big decision to go turbos, but just to fight the altitude, because you plan to be taking that thing up at the ten thousand foot yeah. level and, and trekking around like yeah. that. But if, if a dude yeah. was wanting to build something for the street out here, maximum elevation you're going to hit six thousand feet, something like that. You're saying you could run naturally aspirated the whole time. Oh yeah, I mean the the, the twenty one eighty I had in there was dynoed at one hundred fifty horsepower with the sniper, you know. So um, it you know for, for seat level that thing was great you know that the every time i i romp on the gas and the burrow if it's in first or second gear the front end starts feeling like it's coming up yeah. um, because it squats in the back but um i just wanted the turbo for ease of towing and it was just you know this engine i was building it i didn't plan on doing a turbo but it's just you know how you sit there and it's like you know i could add this to this i'm gonna make it this to this it's just changed uh, it's just, that's what it's been on a stand as a hobby and I'll go and do something with the engine. I'll tinker with it. I don't like that. I'm going to change something else. Cause if you look at pictures on my Instagram page, there, I have V built set up. I have all kinds of different <laughs> yeah, stuff on there. You do. And then, and then I finally <laughs> went with the, the serpentine built. So it's like, you know, it's, it's so many different variables, but I'm trying things out. 
Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think, didn't work. <laughs> I think, I, yeah, I, say, I think it's awesome because there's, there's so many variations that you've done in such a short period of time with, with your VWs. And, and, and because you come from like, you're coming at it from a different angle. Uh, we're starting at it from the garage angle and like, Oh yeah. crap, man, air conditioning. <laughs> that's super complicated. You come at it from the standpoint of like, why doesn't this thing have air conditioning? I'm yeah. not, you, you know what I mean? Like, like that's how you're looking at it. You're, right. you're not like I, my, I default to the, cause I'm looking at this other motor you built with air conditioning on it. And I live in Vegas and there would be nothing better than having an EFI AC, having cool VW right. you could drive in the summertime because people would be losing their mind if I'm sitting there at the light with my windows up in a Volkswagen and they're like, <laughs> how's this dude doing that? You know what I mean? And so, yeah. and, and I, and I'm looking at your AC setup you got on your buddy Dale's motor here. You've got a, uh, for his Baja, you got a Terminator setup and he's got a 2180. Yep. Now what AC setups are you guys using? Okay. Well actually Dale's running the one from Gilmore enterprises up in your neck of the woods. Okay. Um, he's got that on his Baja. I'm running one. I just bought an under dash unit, um, on eBay. Mm -hmm. It's just the, the um, evaporator. And then the compressor I am using, uh, off of a Subaru. Uh, I think it was the Subaru. I can't remember. Forrester. Um, but it's a, it's just a small Subaru AC compressor. I got it because it's the smallest one I get fit <laughs> in that engine. Right. Um, and then I, I kind of pieced together my own AC system. And then the front uh, condenser up front, it's bolted to where the front beam went. It's it's just a universal condenser with fans on it. And then I, I made my own lines and everything. Um, and uh, it works. It works pretty darn good. It, it, it'll it'll blow ice cubes out of there. The reason why I went with the under dash unit because with the three inch body lift, I have my cage drops down a little bit. And so I ended up putting the vents in my, uh, right there where the cage is right above the, the roll bar, um, that goes across. And what's, what, what kind of power does the compressor pull? It doesn't pull hardly anything. All new compressors now, even the Sandins and everything, they don't pull very much power from your engine. Not like the old, I, <laughs> I've got actually, I got a super beetle at the shop now that someone want me to, to get running and it has an old piston type compressor from the factory. Mm -hmm. Um, and it looks like a, a, a air compressor for your tank. At, oh, at yeah. work, you know? oh yeah. It's huge. I don't know how they fit it in there, man. And that's like, you know, like it's taking half the power of this engine to run your air conditioner. Right. And, uh, but the new compressors now, they, they don't take much power at all to turn, but they're so efficient. Um, especially if they're geared correctly, uh, through your pulley system, they're, they'll be fine. Um, I don't feel anything when it clicks on, I don't feel the engine bog or anything like that. Uh, even at idle, it still cools nice and cold at idle. So, and even crawling just, at low, at low speeds, it still runs cool. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, when we were in Kansas, we, it was 113 degrees and we still had AC on. Good and, grief. And, you know, That's in Kansas. Yeah. And, yeah, and That's hotter we than here. <laughs> dude, it was, it was, it was miserable, dude. We were going through Kansas with a, with a 30 mile an hour headwind and 113 degrees. We were dying. I, I was going 60 miles an hour because the headwind was so strong and I didn't want to stress the bug out, but it was doing fine. I looked at the numbers and Amber looks over. It's like, is everything okay? I was like, yeah, but it shouldn't be, <laughs> you know, right, <laughs> it was right. this heat and everything. And uh, I said, we were comfortable. So we just kept on cruising, you know, spent the night there and the next day we were in Colorado. So, um, but yeah, it, 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 you, you got to have air conditioning, man. And it is fine. It doesn't pull that much juice away from it. Man, I like, I like what you're saying. I just, but my, so my challenges with air conditioning is like, 
kind of uglies up the engine compartment because we're all, I'm, I'm, you know, yeah. I'm more of a street guy and I'm stuck in this kind of yeah. look like you want to open the engine compartment, have it look super clean. But in the same <laughs> respect, listen, if I can get the power, if I get rid of some dual 48s, put a single EFI on there and a compressor yeah. and have AC, it's like, to heck with yeah. that. I mean, if you, if you can get the same power and oh, yeah, now have air conditioning, it's like, why? I mean, I, ha I have a Gilmore setup sitting on a shelf over here that was supposed to go on a Mexican bug. But now, see, now I'm talking, this is my problem. This is why I got all these stupid cars. So I, got, I, I, I sent you my picture, my Mach 11, right? And I got that yeah. bug, and it looks cool. It looks like a little desert racer. The tires on there are terrible because of those little bias ply suicide yeah. tires. <laughs> and, and now, as I'm sitting here talking to you, I'm like, yeah, you know, because it's got a 2276 in there. It's got nice. It's really yeah. like, it's like a street race motor in that thing. And it's got right. punch and it's got all this stuff. And then I just start thinking like, man, that'd be cool if a guy could cruise that thing with air conditioning and you know, you living life up and, and, and have that little <laughs> off road because I, I, you know, I, I've got a side by side and those got the arm suspension, which we're going to get into your arm suspension in just a minute. But it's like, I'm so used to the side by sides being like, turn the key. There's, there's years of technology packed underneath all that plastic. Yeah. And those things are just bulletproof. Now they don't got air conditioning and they don't got cool factor. Right. Like, like a, like your bug comes bopping around in the, you know, in the 10,000 <laughs> foot elevation up there. And people are like, how in the heck this guy get up here, right? I mean, and, and there, I mean, just that that aspect of cool factor is so unique. So let's finish up with the motor before we jump on the front suspension because I want to talk to you about your front suspension. So now you did that, you had that set up, and then you switched gears again now. So because the last one that I'm talking about was when you did the EFI and then you started mocking up the turbo setup. And I think maybe that right. was like the beginning of the end, right? Like, okay. Right. So now it's, it's in the vehicle now and it fits and it's done to as much. I'm, I'm not doing anything else to this engine. It's about ready to start up. Um, well, I'm going to tell you right of now, course I, it, it, it looks like an engine out of a Mercedes, like looking at it. it look, <laughs> I'm not even kidding. It looks like a factory motor. Well, out of like a Mercedes with all, you know, the serpentine belt and the pulley. Cause, cause looking at this, yeah. right? So you've changed, you got rid of the, so the first, the biggest noticeable thing is you got rid of the alternator. Itself. Right. I, I made a dummy, I made a dummy stand, um, to get rid of the, the alternator. So just so I can run a, a fan. And then I mounted, um, I bought a little Denso race alternator, um, and it puts out like 75 amps. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's so like, I could carry one of those with me if I wanted to go, if I had an alternator, you know, it's so easy. It's two bolts holding on. Right. And so, cause if you had to take the alternator off, I'd hate to have the alternator, the factory bug alternator in there. Cause I had to take that off. It was, it'd be a nightmare to take all the stuff off to get it off. Right. You know? Um, so I, I went that way. Uh, yeah, and then made that and the stand and, and alternator bolts to that, and then the tensioners bolt to that. <laughs> um, and went all superintend because I just, uh, the hardest part was finding, um, one of the, the heavy pulleys for the front, um, that was serpentine. So I, I bought one of the, the, what are they called? The, they're just a heavy pulley in the front. I can't. I, oh, I, like a balancer, I, like a like a bird yeah, balancer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't remember what they call them. Anyways, it, it weighs like six, seven pounds, and I went and put it on the lathe, and I machined the grooves in for the serpentine belt and got rid of the V belt configuration, and um, um, so it, I did it that oh, way. Oh, so you took like a Berg balancer, like the equalizer pulley. Yeah, yeah, the equalizer pulley. That's what it no is. Worry, I no together, remember. together, we'll figure it all out. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> I just, I, you know, you, you get so much stuff on your brain. 
but yeah, I put the equalized pulley and then um, machined it for the, the crank trigger on there and then it put the machined it for the, the serpentine belt. So it, I still wanted the equalized pulley on there to give it that little extra torque ump so at low speeds. Mm-hmm. And especially running your air conditioner or anything with that equalized pulley helps out so much from the engine bogging down when the, uh, the AC clicks on. Yeah. So and, um, now, and now you've got uh, on this thing, you've got the... Um, You've got a so what did did you just core out an alternator use the shaft and the bearings no, and it, the fan? This, this is just a, a chunk of round stock a sixty sixty one aluminum, <laughs> and I I bored it out and machined in uh, bearings. Uh, it's kind of same like dimensions as an generator. I had generator took dimensions off it, and then I milled the the top flat where I can mount the alternator bracket and everything too. Um, and so it's just the rod uh, I machine, the shaft that goes through with keyway. So you, it's holding the fan on. Um, and then the, the front pulley is, I think the front pulley was off of a VWAC compressor that I tore apart the other, not, not too long ago. Um, and took it apart cause it has two belt. It's off the, bu- the old, the beetles, you know, the ugly mm-hmm. new beetles. And I had to put a compressor on there. So I took the front clutch off and machined it off cause it has two super beam belt grooves on it. And then put just a uh, piece of round stock in there so it can mount onto the, the thing so I can have two belts on that one pulley. So it worked out pretty good. So, you ha- so you're running two belts off of the alternator or off of the – Right. Uh, so, so I'm running a belt from the crank to the, to the, fan, to the dummy alternator. Mm-hmm. And then the dummy alternator runs the, the, the small alternator and the AC compressor. So it's got two belts. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I think I, 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 think I see – yeah, yeah. Well, I kind of. Oh, so you have two tensioners on there. You have two. Yeah, it's got two tensioners. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. geez, Louise, this thing is like <laughs> this is this is a lot of engineering for Tuscaloosa, <laughs> Alabama. I mean, you're get, you're like getting in here, and I'm looking at this thing, thinking like, holy cow, and and the way that everything's painted like a matte black, all the stuff. That's that's the, the the wrinkle black was my German thing there. <laughs> it, but it really looks. What's what's insane is it really looks. I mean, it, it. Looking at it, most most VW guys would just be tired, looking at like, "Holy crap! I don't even know what to do." And because <laughs> and, and because the problem is right, VWs as they've gotten so old, and everybody's put their hands on them, you get it, and you're like, "Okay, how soon and when are we going to work on this thing?" Right? So you're looking at yeah, things. Right. You you know, if you went, I think it'd be the same context if we popped the hood of a brand new Japanese or German car and said. Okay, and your first thought is, how do I maintain this and change these parts? Right. Which is really not your philosophy. Your attitude is like, I'm going to build this thing, and I'm not going to be pulling it apart because it should <laughs> run. Well, you, you know, I, I, but I built it so if something does mess up, it's easy to repair. So, like the alternator, everything on it, it's easy to take. It looks confusing, but it really is pretty simple to take apart. Um, the the only thing I had to add was the last minute thing was the turbo drain pump because the sump pump, because the turbo was lower than the sump and it was not draining very well and it was mm-hmm. smoking out of the exhaust. So I just made a little tiny little tank underneath it near the turbo and I have a pump. The uh, turbo works uh, nano pump sitting right there by the compressor 
underneath the AC compressor, and that pumps the sump and pumps it back into the the case. Well, you're better than um, me because I'd have just said, "Oh, that's called turbo smoke," <laughs> and I'd have been done at that point. Like, I don't know why yeah. she smokes when I start her up, but uh, that's called turbo smoke. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I just uh, uh, that being a technician, mm-hmm. I, I, my thing was this car has to run and sound and not smoke. It has to run like a car, car, you know, like a newer car. And, that, and that's what and that's what I was and that's what I was sitting there thinking. I was thinking, you built this thing yourself you're a technician so like when you it's like my brother when he hears somebody pull up at a vw meet and they're running on three cylinders it irks him to no end he's like yeah me too <laughs> he's like oh my gosh he's got you know and, and so i think with you having that background and really wanting to take this thing to the next level you know it just doesn't stop it keeps going and another and another thing and another thing and i and i think the way right. that you've put it all together um so this final motor total displacement is this still is this still 2180 no, it's a it's a 2068. So it's a, so I, I went down to you know CB has that new crank. It's a 78.4 millimeter. Yeah, and I went with that with five with uh, 5.5 rods. So I went up a little bit on the rods, um, but I'm still running seven 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 eight to one. I think compression. Um, and what heads so, do you have on that motor? The heads I got the Panchitos. So you got the Panchito heads. Any mods done to the heads to help them cool any better? Uh, no, they're just the stock Panchitos, which they cool so good. That's what I have on all my engines. Um, and they have the openings are perfect for for a hot running engine. Um, and then I've got the the CB uh, Super Case, the not Super Case, but the aluminum case. You right. know, um, I got that, and then I got uh, CB Performance rods. A lot of stuff from CB performance. Now, why did much. why did you decide to downstroke the motor? Um, with turbo, I mean, you know, uh, you don't have to have a whole lot of stroke with a turbo motor. I'd rather have something that rev up a little more quicker, and the turbo is going to give you the torque. And plus, um, I, I didn't want to have to. Well, my plan was I had to crank before, and I, I had a case, a magnesium case. And I was like, I don't want to have to machine clearances a bunch on this case, you know? So, mm-hmm. and then I went and I was like, you know, I'm doing all this. I'm just going to go ahead and get the aluminum case. <laughs> so I could have went with a bigger stroke, but then I got to thinking is like, you know, all the turbo motors are small strokes. They, they're built to rev up to, to get the turbo spooling quicker and stuff like that. So I just went with that. Um, um, just, just because one, I have it, but two, it works out that way. And so, so th- have you dynoed this motor? No, not yet. That's once I get this run, I'm taking it up to the dyno and see what it is. Um, I'm not sure what it puts out, but it, 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 I don't know. I'm hope I'm hoping that full boost, I can get at least 200 horsepower. So you're thinking, but, if, I mean, and 200 horsepower is, and it's so funny because everybody thinks like, ah, oh, 200 horsepower, it's not a lot of horsepower in a car that originally had 40 horsepower. Yeah. That, it's a lot. It's a substantial <laughs> amount of power. So you've gone full on, so the so the final the final drivetrain in this dude is 002 box. Nope, I've got a double I guess it's 091 in there now. So now why didn't you do a five speed? No, 091 is a four speed still. It's just a, it's just a, out of a, it's a five rib. No, no, no. It's I, I hear of, you. I hear you. I'm asking the question. Why, why didn't I do you went all You went all this direction. Oh, why yeah. didn't you? Because well, you can do a. Going to, yeah. I was going to, but, you know, I was going to go do the Subaru. It was just, I just wanted, I already had the 002 fit in there. And I was like, I just did the 091 just because it's, it's a lot stronger. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. and I, I bought all new gears and I, everything in that transmission is from Weddle. I bought all new gears and, and race stuff in there. So it, I, I tried to build it bulletproof. Um, and it's got, you know, it's got the back of tail housing and everything, uh, front tail housing for the, the, you know, the bug. So it fits in there just like the bug. Um, and then I got the, the bell housing is just like the bug it mounts up to the stock location. So I wanted that. I just took all that, that I saw on the 002 and put on the 091. But um, I just did your internals. That's my thing. And being a tech with you now doing a fuel injection, you don't see yourself ever going back to a carburetor. You're like your goal oh, is to no. your goal is to make this thing close the deck lid and put a hundred thousand miles yeah. on it. Well, you know, you know what's funny is my wife's Super Beetle that we started. You know, I put the whole the 1968 one, the original Burrow engine. Uh-huh. I put it in her car, and I put dual carbs on it. Uh, but the the dual Delores. the Delores. they're single barrels. Um, mm-hmm. the baby Dells. The Sol, they're Solex, so they're Solexes. Okay, with the chokes, with yep. the chokes, so they're dual. And so, um, I put that in her car, man. That car will fly, man. Should, <laughs> I want to get a ticket in this car. And you know, so I, I put it sat for a couple of months, and I went out to get it, and the carburetors, all the stupid gas went sour in the carburetors. Yeah. And so, and and every time we go get it, it's like that. And I, I said, I'm not going back to carburetors. I'm actually putting fuel injection on hers uh, when I get a chance because she can't drive it. She has to drive it all the time, and if it sits up with a little bit of fuel in there, it just goes sour in the bowls, and it just stops up the carburetors. And what are you going to do EFI on that? I'm just going to go, not the sniper. They make, uh, well, it is a sniper, but they make three or four different variations of it. They make one that's like an old Rochester carburetor. Yeah, for the Mustang. For the Mustang. Yeah, so it's just a single port, and it'll mount up to the the single. I have the stock um, center mount, and I'm just going to put that on hers, and she'll have fuel injection. It'll be so much better. Um, May not have as much power because it's going through center mount, but... Um, it still have a whole lot more than, you know, the, the 50 horse that was in there. Yeah. So, <laughs> well, that's, and, and the thing is, so w- you're saying on an EFI car, the bet, the gas doesn't go, it can't gum up the lines because it's so small of lines and it's all electronic. There's no oxygen getting into it for it to gum up. Well, that- uh, yeah. Right. And, and two, like it, it, the injectors are sitting there, you got no, you don't have anything sitting in a bowl that, that like, you know, bowl carburetor gets air in it all the time. Right. It's got the vent on there. And so it just gets sour and it just, and with the ethanol that's in the fuel now, it is, it attracts moisture. So you get moisture in there and then it just gums everything up and stops the jets and it's just a pain. And you take, you could take the top of the carburetor and look down in there and you can see the gunk down in there, spray a little bit of carburetor cleaner down in there and, and the thing on it runs like a champ after that, but it's a pain in the butt to do it. Yeah, it's just so, having to take, take the carburetor apart, almost like a quick, quick yeah. release hats on the carburetor. Yeah, really. I mean, it's like it drives you nuts, and, and so that's like, yeah, this fuel injection is the way to go. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 it's it's sad because the technology and fuel has caused the old cars to suffer. Out here, they have yeah, a, it is. There's mm-hmm. a Ma- Maverick station that they have ethanol free fuel. So right. it's on some particular pump, and I think people are using it for like their side by side machines or something like yeah, that. Yeah, we got we got ethanol free here, but it's it's like hit or miss. We only got four or five stations here that have to do it, you know. And um, we try to put that in hers, but like when you're traveling, we went to Atlanta in it for a weekend in her car, and you know you, you have to put regular fuel in it. And when you came back, and we parked it for about a month before we got in, and then it wouldn't start because of stupid car rigs. So it's kind of aggravating, you know. 
Yeah, no, I totally get it. I totally get it. So we're hoping for 200 horsepower when you fire that thing up on the dyno. Definitely, definitely give us a shout out on the on your Instagram when you when you post that, so I can see what. Oh what yeah, no for. doubt. Well, as soon as this thing's running, I'm going to post all kinds of stuff on there. for horsepower. <laughs> now let's get let, let's get to the good part. So I got a, I got a couple of questions. The push bumpers that you have on it, do those bolt on the factory locations? No, they they bolt to the roll cage that I built. Okay, so, so it's, the, that roll cage goes front to back. Nice. Um, Nice. So I built that when the, the pan was off the body mm-hmm. and then, uh, the, and then, then it goes back. So that, that roll cage attached to the front, um, beam and it goes all the way back to the torsion housing. And then another one goes back to the shock housing. And so then that bumper, I welded a, a mount to the, sh- the shock housing and everything and it mounts there. Yeah. Cause those bumpers so. are slick looking. I'm like, Oh man, I got to some of those bumpers from my, I don't, yeah. I don't have a roll cage. So it's like, I got to start, I got to start from scratch. You know, I mean, yeah. I, you know, one of those seventies, <laughs> so the seventies towel bars that hang on the front yeah. <laughs> look yeah. good, but do nothing. It's like but. Those old, yeah. Dale, Dale has them on his bug that's at the shop now that I put the turbo engine in and, um, he, he's got those, you know, the MP ones and they just bolt on and it's like, Ooh, you don't, don't let anybody hit you with those, man, because they're not going to protect nothing. It's game over. So now, <laughs> yeah, right. so now you had the beam in there for a while, and then there are some people that make the the A arm setup. So what now? What possessed you to? And what is the <laughs> genesis of the A arm front suspension? <laughs> Bored. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was just you know I wanted to do something, and I was like you know you know you're at home and you just look at stuff, but uh, I just wasn't happy with the front trailing arm you know beam set up on the front it just i didn't like the way the, the suspension articulated it it just felt weird especially when it was in the mountain trails and stuff like that yeah well it pushes the front tire back towards the back of yeah, the car and it was a very f- weird feeling um and so it's like you know i'm going to try to design up uh just some arms that i can put on there that would actually bolt to where the the beam goes and so it, i did it, it fit but then once i got it I, the geometry like i don't do anything with calculations and go on the computer and everything i'm just building stuff what i think in my head from playing with rc cars as a kid and everything like that so i went in and i knew the geometry you know the, the basics of it you know how it should be and i had it close but i, I had the stock vw spindles on there well they didn't work and so I had to end up making my own spindles and stuff like that. So it so you, is trial and error. So so the entire front suspension is handmade, like everything on there's because there's right. nothing off yeah. of another car that you used. Mm, no, not, <laughs> not even the A arms. Nothing, huh? No, nothing. A arms are all built. I built all those um, out of uh, M1 inch square tubing, and then the top ones, I just designed them on Corel Draw. My wife's. Uh, because she's a graphic designer also. So I went on there and I made them and then I just had them cut out on my plasma, my CNC plasma cutter and just um, did it that way and just had it up on the workbench and just played around with it till I got where, where it was. And then I bought the uh, Seiko rack, you know, the, the steering rack, and that didn't yeah. work. Um, so uh, I ended up, what the rack opinion I have in there now is a heavy-duty uh, Polaris razor steering rack and i got a kind of cantilever it, it works great <laughs> well you know and i was because i was wondering when i looked at the tires i thought i wonder if he's got electric power steering on there because i be, do i do have them too yeah. see i see i didn't even I, I didn't even catch any of that uh, on here because i'm so i'm so focused on this motor and uh 
and and some of the interior. So, so the electric power steering you got off of what is it from? Uh, from, I bought it from Super ATVs, you know that website Super. I think Super ATVs. Yeah, and they have a univer- They have a universal uh, electric power steering. I think it's like two fifty or three hundred dollars, and That's I put it? it on there, and it works great. It works perfect. And so what it does is you get to cut the steering shaft that it mounts into the steering shaft and, and and it's like an electric assist on the. Yeah. It looks like a wiper motor almost bigger. And, and um, so what it is, I have it under the dash mm-hmm. and I have it mounted to the steering wheel mounts to it. And then the shaft comes off and goes right to the rack from there. And, and it just, you don't even hear it. It just works, you know? And it's because sometimes I, I borrowed, a, 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 I've had Can-Ams and, and my double X that I have right now. I borrowed my buddy's Polaris and the Polaris is synonymous. Like the power steering stops, <laughs> stops working yeah, while you're yeah, driving it. Yeah. And so I don't know if you've had that, but what's funny is I, I thought about that because, you know, I have a couple of buses and my buses have big wide front tires and I mean, you're sitting yeah. right over the front axle. And I thought, right. man, it'd be so nice to have power steering assistant a buddy of mine Jarrett put it in his car but he pirated it out of like a hot like a prius man and it's this it looks like a freaking lunchbox underneath attached to the yeah thing. they're huge those are huge yeah yeah so yeah, i'm um, thinking i'm thinking this atb one's the way to go uh because you know it, it, a lot of it says it's it's too small but you don't need a whole lot of extra you just need a little bit of more of assist yeah um, did, now did you have did you have the electric power steering when you had the beam front end Yes, I did. Okay, so yes. so as far as that, so your shaft just comes out, and now you decided to do. Now, what's been the biggest challenge? My thought would be the biggest challenge, and maybe not for you because your wider track is how much articulation you get up and down with that front with that front horse head in there. You know, as far as on the arm front suspension. Um, I mean it. It gets pretty good, like. Um, Better than stock. What did you have? What did you have with the beam travel versus what you have now? About six inches. So I mean, you, it wasn't much. Right. So you had six inches with the beam and a much stiffer ride. Oh yeah, much stiffer. You like the front beam? You couldn't. <laughs> like if you go try to push the bumper, it wouldn't push. Like it. And it didn't ride hard, but it just felt weird. You know. Right. Super but stiff. Now with the, with yeah, with the coilovers on there now and the suspension now, you can feel them this kind of plush. And when you raise it up, you see droop. And then it goes down and it settles down. So it's like when you're going off-road now, it's like it feels so much better like a, a, a off-road vehicle should, you know? Right. Um, and then the same thing with the back. Since I put the coilovers on the back, now i got nice droop and it settles in really nice. And so um, on, the rear, the bars. on the rear, you took you got rid of the torsion bars and you're running coilovers on the factory locations? Correct. Yeah. And you I'm, running FO, I'm running FOA everything on the back. So that's in your neck of the woods too. Yeah. FOA shocks. And on those FOA shocks, they're coilover shocks. There's no right. longer a torsion bar holding the rear of that car oh, up. No. It's on the shock. Did you have to gusset anything or is it strong enough? You think to hold yeah, it? Um, well, I actually made hoops. Uh, like if you look in, well, of course you of, did. You machined your own freaking cylinders. <laughs> yeah. so, so I keep I thinking, to, I keep thinking we're on the same level. I keep forgetting, I keep forgetting the, the, we're not. <laughs> but I just welded some hoops on the back to hold the, the rear coilovers. Um, and, uh, it worked out good. Um, yeah, I got, I think I can't remember what size coilovers on the back. <laughs> And if, and you know, you mentioned earlier, you got 15 grand in that motor. I'm thinking 15 grand's not, I mean, that's, that's, if you're, yeah. it, I built my type four, that same type four that I had Raby build for me in 2009 cost me at the time 15 grand for that motor. Mm-hmm. 
and that was SDS, EFI, throttle bodies, mm-hmm. you know, uh, all that stuff. And today, that that same motor from Raby is like thirty thousand dollars. Yeah, for that it's same engine. I, I don't really know what went up so high. If it's just. Uh, well, you know, and you're having someone else build it for you too, though, you know. Well, yeah, but he so, char- he, he charges 5,000 for the labor. Yeah, no. You know, so, so well, you know, the engine I built for Dale, um, you know, is is was is was uh 16. So, you know, um, Oh, yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. You're going to spend about yeah. cuz I talked to this yeah. with Michael Bream, you know, he's got he does EV West, right? And he's got an EV yeah. EV Baja and all this stuff. And to do an EV swap, you're going to be 20 grand. It's 20 grand oh, yeah, to swap easily. a car to EV. And, and so when we're talking about drivetrain and power and things like that, I'd love nothing more than for your whole setup to be hugely successful and just run for miles and miles and miles. And the time that you have in it is probably, I don't think you've got that equated into the to the value of it, yeah. but you know, you're, you're doing it out of, out of a passion for, for what it's you a do. labor of love. Yeah. Man. Do, do you have any intentions to make any of the things for resale? I, I know you make the, well, the, the anti hop kit or the no hop. Yeah. I mean, you know, I thought about making the, 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 the parts for the engine, you know, like the, uh, that dummy alternator and, and, and where it can run a different alternator and stuff like that. Cause that right there, you could take that setup I built and just bolt onto another air cooled engine. It, it, it's interchangeable. Yeah. So I was thinking about doing stuff like that. The bumpers, uh, the roof racks, the bumpers and stuff like that. If that's one thing I told my wife is like, if I can retire and just do this instead of working, bending over a car cause my back's so bad that it, I, I would rather do that because I can make a living doing that. And that's something I enjoy too. Yeah, but um, and, and how, a lot of it being. Yeah, and and so with the front end, the 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 work, time, effort, energy you've got into that front suspension, do you feel like it, it's it was it, it was worth it to you? All that you to did? me, it, to me, it was. Um, I'm still tweaking on it. There's still little things I'm perfecting on it, but mm-hmm. that's that's the fun of that. That's my hobby, so I like doing that. Like anybody else, if I give the vehicle to them now, and they say, "Man, this is great," they just drive it. But right. I know I want to change something on there. And, like, to me, it's not done right to my specifications, and I'm still piddling with it. So, you know, um, but, yeah, uh, uh, you know, now I'm, I'm trying to make some alignment um, bushings so I can it'd be easier to do a caster camber alignment on it. Right now I have I have a way of doing it, but it, the wrench I made is not going to fit right. So I, I'm redoing all that. And <laughs> that way I can take it down to the guy and have him line it up instead of me having to line it up. The wrench, so, the know. wrench I made. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I had to make a special wrench for it to sit and it wouldn't, it, it, it was terrible, man. <laughs> yeah. No, listen, I, I know you say you're not a machinist, but I think you're a little OCD on some of the stuff that you do. Uh, I'm, yeah, I'm extremely <laughs> and it, and it's I, Listen, it's phenomenal, man. And, I, you know, and this bug, it's funny because a lot of people, you know, I'll grab interviews like my, my buddy Johnny Osmondson, right? He, he, everybody knows yeah. who he is in the street racing world. Nobody in the VW know, world knows who he is because he he's more committed to street racing and like you you're more committed to like the overlanding the off-road thing you're kind of doing it you're doing it less for clout and more for like i wonder if you could and like i like this i you know i like the volkswagen and i like the overlanding thing and i want to do and i want to be the guy who does them both you know what i mean yeah and uh, i think it's so cool that you know this 
I'm into a little bit of everything VW-wise, and I just think it's it's so unique. And I think I personally believe there's a market for something like this. Like there's a huge market that you've tapped into something that if you came up with the idea of how to make kits of some of the stuff that you do, I think it's a whole level of oh yeah uh, of stuff that people want to do because that that's kind of the cool part of uh, how old are you? Uh, Fifty. Yeah. So we're same age, and I think our generation is the generation like these were the cars that were cool and we want to see like that's why you yeah. want to be up there with all the fj cruisers and the jeeps and you're just up there in your bug <laughs> yeah, right. and these guys are like how'd you get that thing up here and, oh i had that that's the exact same what the guy said when i got up there i pulled up around the corner over here 14,000 feet he said i thought i heard a bug coming up here and it was <laughs> <laughs> and it's so cool because you know you're starting to see bajas are really starting to go up in price as far yeah, as are. reselling and all that stuff and you know it's just something so cool and and i keep thinking about this and i think like oh man it'd be cool to do everything he's doing like that to a thing you know what i mean because a, thi- yeah. a, a thing's a little wider platform right you know right. I mean? a little more breathing room inside but uh i man i think this thing is so freaking cool and, and you've been recognized i mean it's been in a couple off-road magazines yeah and and not i'm the type i'm a very uh private person like i don't like showing off what i make or and don't you know i don't have a big head is like i I make these things for me and so it took off when a guy that was sponsoring me um blue ridge overland gear and he got it famous he put it in there and then like it didn't take long and it was everywhere yeah uh and yeah, and that's like crap. It's like now. I got <laughs> well, but I think but I got yeah, used to it. I, I think you hit on something. I think there's a market because I look at this. Like, the first thing I did is that man. I wonder if he sells those bumpers, and then I wonder if he does this, and I wonder if he does. You know what I mean? Like yeah. because there's a lot of well, cool. You know, the rack, the ladder, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Super cool. I had so many people ask if there's stuff that I make for sale, and I told. Amber is like, I can't, I, I just, I just don't have time, you right. know, because other cars are taken away from me. But yeah, I mean, I've had kids like, I, I'm not kids, but guys show me and they're running their little RC car around and it's, it's a Burrow junior. Like did, they copied my, my bug for their RC crawler, yeah. you know? So it's so funny to watch something like that and, and people overseas, uh, um, building uh, one guy made a little diecast car with the trailer for me, and he lives in Israel, you know. And he's and he has a YouTube channel on that. And it's like, it's so funny. It's like my the, this car that I built, you know, a few years back that it was just something for me and my wife to take is turned into an internet sensation, yeah. and not not by me, just it's done it by itself you know no, so and i think that's the, the the thread that connects people with the volkswagens you know they'll see that yeah everybody everybody can connect to that and even though you've got thousands of hours uh uncountless you know countless money from your time labor standpoint but right. you've got such a passion for it that you know you're like no i want to do it because there's there's a there's a guy in town uh he's, he's on uh, a shout out to my guy Donut uh, Donut Man Dan is his name, and he's got an <laughs> LS powered uh, Baja Bug twin turbo oh, LS powered Baja Bug. He, he came to my event out here at one crazy weekend, and it's got full AR. I mean, the front suspension's got to be seven feet wide. You know, I mean, double <laughs> arms. This is basically it's like a full tube caged 
uh, yeah. pre-runner with a bug body on it. You know what I mean? He's got trap. he's yeah. got air conditioning in it, but no windows, which is kind of weird. But you know, I, I'm not who am I <laughs> yeah. to question? But it's a, right. tw- a twin turbo LS. But it's like, and that thing looks super cool, but it's not V dot. Like it is really it's, cool, and there's there's nothing uncool about it. Yeah, but it's nine is practicality. LS powered, oh. and it, you know what I mean. And like this is still. Staying true to the original yeah. VW, and and I can daily drive it if I want to. Like it's 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 a practical vehicle, also. Yeah. Um. So you know, and then the thing is with this thing too, you you travel somewhere, and when you go to the gas station, you you better plan on being there for an hour because someone's going to come up and take pictures and talk to you about how they had bugs growing up, and I wish you never got rid of them, and and you know you got these stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and it's kind of cool because it's like it brings everybody together. Is everybody had a bug? Hundred percent, hundred percent. Wow. Yeah, man. and so it's, it's a cool, it's a cool thing. And and that, that just I, it, it saddened me when you know they don't make them anymore and stuff. But it's like you know if I could if I had my time and my money and all, I would buy every one of them, put them back on the road. You know, so yeah. um, I just love them. Uh, just I just I, had, I fell in love with them. You know, after after my wife got hers, and that's like I've never drove one in my life. So <laughs> we always used to play punch buggy, and then we got it. I got it hers. Like now you see why everybody wanted one. Yeah, you know? there's just, just some, cool little cars. Exactly, there's just something super unique and, about them. And you're you're you. It's a true driving experience. Like now you get in a car, you turn the key, your seats move back for you. You put it in gear, you drive, and you barely have to push the pedal. I mean, everything's done in in in, in a bug. You got to drive the car. I mean, yeah. you know, you're actually driving a car. So it's like you feel it and you enjoy it. And that's what I like about the Burrow is I get in it and I miss driving it because it's been down for so long. I just miss driving it. Just I just love the way it feels when you drive it. So, yeah, that's, it's, it's pretty cool. That's, that's a super cool car. Anything that we didn't cover on it that uh, that, that you think we need to chat about? I, we, we might have to have another podcast. <laughs> There's so much more stuff. But, you know, I'm, I'm going to post this. You know, people just look at my uh, Instagram page, and I'm going to try to post more stuff. I haven't been doing much posts here lately. Uh, we're just getting over illnesses and everything like that, and just getting back from vacation. But um, I'm going to once the vehicles, it's almost ready to be back on the road. I'm going to go. I'm going to do a walkthrough video and put it on Instagram. Um, well, I tell you, because there's a lot of things people are asking questions, and I just don't have time to type it up. If you, so. if if it's running and driving by October, uh, listen, you make it out to Vegas. I'll cover your hotel room for the weekend, <laughs> for the whole time you'll be here for my one crazy weekend VW event that I do out here, which is a which is a strip cruise, uh, a oh, car show, cool. and a poker run. So it's a driving oh, event, wow. you know. But I think it'd yeah. be so cool to have that car at a West Coast show where a lot of people could really appreciate it i mean i think that oh man that, I, I would love to have that out there. That, that car is so cool I, I just i just love i love the whole look of that thing because it looks it's like a swiss army knife on steroids you know what i mean like it's got a little yeah, bit of everything and it's super yeah. cool you know so well, well, well hopefully i'll be able to do that and yes we'll see you know my, my brother-in-law lives in, in phoenix so well, well you let me know you don't, you don't need your brother-in-law listen i'll i'll put you up at the hotel room you you <laughs> come out here to vegas i got your hotel room covered trust me yeah. that's nothing for me man i would just love to see it out here because it's just yeah so unique to see the vw world get exposed to stuff like that because it's so yeah, it's so different i try know? to go shows when i can you know and, and here we have a couple of good vw shows but nothing like you guys have at west well um you, you know you, you got, got a, 
open invite, man. Anytime you're in Vegas, man, look me, look me up and we'll, uh, we'll, yeah, de- we'll, that, we'll definitely get together, man, for sure. Well, I, I sure appreciate you coming on the podcast and if people want oh, to, get, yeah, I enjoyed it. If people want to get in touch with you, um, best ways through Instagram. Is that the, is that the yeah, best way? Yeah. At, at Jamie Wiseman. Okay. And then, um, I mean, you know, I don't have a YouTube channel or anything like that, but you can message me or anything like that on, on my Instagram and I, I'll get right back with you. I'm not those type of people who just not answer your messages. So. That's cool. And you're going to make, you're going to make a couple of those, some of those El Burrow shirts and some stickers and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. I'm going to try to get those going here soon. Yeah. Um, I just had that done. So I'm going to get some shirts done and stuff and just give them out to people. Cause there's so many people asking. For them. <laughs> well, let me know when you get them done so I can promote I it. For will, you. So, so you send I some will. people your way to help offset these, the cost of those aluminum cylinders. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah, no, for real. No, that's cool. Well, well, Jamie, man, thanks so much, man, for coming on. And yeah, by, by all means, it. if you're ever in Vegas, hit me up. And if I ever get out there, I promise you, I'm gonna I'm gonna head to Tuscaloosa if I'm yeah, in the come. area, and I'm gonna come. I'm, I'm gonna go for a ride in the old in, in the Alberta. Oh yeah. Man. Well, you'll you'll get a ride in here soon, probably. That's, <laughs> that thing is too cool, man. So, well, well, great, man. I appreciate you coming on the show, man. Yeah. Well, I appreciate having me. Yeah, and, for sure. uh, and if, uh, if we need to do another one, I'm here. <laughs> you got it, brother. You got it. I appreciate that. If you like that podcast, and I'm sure you did, make sure you share this podcast with all your friends that are into VWs that like some good VW talk. To support the podcast, go to letstalkdubs.com, click on the merch tab, pick up some merch, and support your favorite podcast. And don't forget to support our sponsors VW Trends Magazine, Ross Wolf, You Logo Up Shirt Designs, and go check out Lanny Hussey's Custom Cars on Instagram. Stay tuned for more podcasts to come. Plenty of history to uncover on Let's Talk Dubs. Until next week, guys. Later.